Welcome back to another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment, featuring interviews with guests who are having success in entertainment, primarily music. I am Bruce Wozniak, talking to guests who are singers, songwriters, musicians, recording artists, and more from the worldwide music community. Do please stay connected. You can write to podcast at nhte.net, or instead of email, you're welcome to DM me through the at Now Hear This Entertainment Instagram account. Anything and everything to do with this podcast or the entertainment industry itself, I look forward to hearing from you. I honestly do love hearing from listeners of this show, so much so that instead of using social media or email, you can actually just have a good old-fashioned voice call with me. How's that for engagement? I will go into details of that during today's episode. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from south of Los Angeles, my guest is a singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist who just released his eighth album at the end of January. He has gotten radio exposure from Mexico to Portugal to the UK to, of course, here in the US, and has an amazing story of being befriended early in his career by the road manager for the Beatles. In addition to all that he has done in music, he has worked on film projects, including blockbusters such as Titanic and King Kong. You've been hearing a song of his called Do What You Love. Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Johnny Reed. Hello, Bruce. Hello, everybody out there. Great to be here on Now Hear This Entertainment. Thank you, Johnny. Glad thanks, to be here. Thanks so much for making time to be on the show. Let's get started by having you share with the audience all about the song of yours that was just playing called Do What You Love, especially since I was talking over it and they probably couldn't make out the lyrics too good. Okay, well, I'm sure they'll find that someplace uh, in the Internet someplace. Listen to it. It's everywhere. But, uh, yeah, that's a great song, I mean, for me. It's uh, Do What You Love, and that's what I always think about life in so many ways, and do the things you love, not what you're supposed to do, not what somebody told you to do. Don't get locked in that situation. So I think about that all the time, and you know, there's many events in my life that lead up to that. But most recently, I heard Warren Buffett say, one of the richest men in the world, you know, in the USA and around, and he gave that at a speech. Uh, I guess he does it maybe every year. He addresses some of the major colleges, and he tells his students, don't just follow, if something can make you some money, you can follow that, but if there's something else, you don't make as much money, but you love it, that's what you want to do. Do what you love. And that really kicked it off, and then I wrote the song. Yeah, I don't know who said it, but there is that popular expression out there, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what came to mind as you were describing that. So uh -huh. good job of describing that, because I think we all can relate to that, at least in terms of wishing that we were doing what we love. I mean, some of us are, but some of us aren't. So I think, Johnny, would you agree that you're sort of spreading hope with the message of that song? Uh, that's right, and it can even be on a small scale. It doesn't have to be you quit your job and and go do a, uh, you know swing from the trees, but you know on everyday basis, figure out those things. And uh, yeah, that's what's trying to be a message of good hope and uh, you know make people have a good life. Yeah, I'm thinking of when you said it doesn't have to be a big life event like changing jobs or quitting the one that you're in now. For some reason, the first thing that popped into my head was a friend of mine, when she had turned 18 years old, she wanted to jump out of a plane. And so she did that for her 18th birthday. So do what you love is very wide ranging in terms of maybe it's just something spontaneous for one day, or maybe it is something much, much bigger and long lasting. Yeah. And I'll just, I'll just quote one small lyric. It says, do something big or just hang out with your friends. Mm. You know, friends are important. I mean, you might say, you know what? I am not going to go to work today because my friend is so important. They're going through something. I'm going to take care of my friend because I love my friend. Wow. Yeah, that's powerful. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Well, Johnny, congratulations on the new album, which is called Octa or Infinity and features 10 songs. Tell us all about this project. What does that title mean, Octa or Infinity? What's the theme of the album? And then share also about how much of this album is all you. Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, I, I guess I have to tell you, it's all me. Everything's me. 
I'm in a situation where that works out great for me, and so I'm playing all the instruments, doing all the writing. I record myself. I produce myself. I do my graphics. Hmm. I, I've done many things in the in the industry, and uh, so I'm proficient at many things. Wow. But the album, it is my eighth album, so I started off with the word Octa. And I said, okay, somehow I'm going to put that in the title. And then I thought about that for a while. I said, okay, Octa something. And I go, wait a minute. If you take that eight and you lay it on its side, it's the infinity symbol. Ah. And then it, it came. And this is just exactly how I write my songs. Things just come to it. I said, yeah, it depends all on how you look at things. Ah. Yeah, that's right. Wow, that's so clever. And, then, and, and, the, and the whole song just evolved out of that. So, Johnny, for the benefit of anyone listening who is an aspiring performer, take us through when you say you played all the instruments. So are you literally sitting behind the drum kit? Are you literally holding the bass? Or is it, well, Bruce, I played guitar, but everything else, I programmed drums and et cetera, et cetera, with all the different instruments. Walk us through all that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I've got all the real instruments. Uh, you know, guitar, of course. It's, I tell you, it's my Fender Telecaster. I've had it since uh, 1970. It was old from it was used by a group called the Atomic Kid. And when I got it, the fretboard was all worn in so it just looked beautiful. And uh I've been playing that. That's my own electric guitar. Wow. So I I play that and I so I play everything on it. And uh I have an acoustic guitar. It's a 12-string Takamine guitar. And it's uh and there's not that much acoustic guitar in this. Uh, some other albums I have more. But it's what they call the the Martin the lawsuit guitar. Martin went the company of Martin went to w- work with another company. They're going to have them make a line of their things, but they stopped it. But that other company put it out, Takamini. Anyway, so it's a big lawsuit. So anyway, that's my acoustic guitar. I only have one, and then I have a set of real drums. That's uh, Ludwig drums, and these go way back to the '60s. Mm. They used to be on the Lawrence Welk TV program. Oh my gosh. So, uh, yeah, and I actually have video clips of that from the Lawrence Welk show. But I bought them from the guy, uh, Johnny Klein. And, you know, I've had them ever since. But now I also have a Roland digital kit. Mm. I used to play a square box thing called uh, Drum Cat. You know, you have great sounds, you can play it. But I'm a drummer, and you say, I, I need to play. Mm-hmm. So now I've got a, that's the drum kit you're going to hear. It's going to be that. Uh, the digital roll, and there's only one sound that I like, really. Sounds like a real drum set with rims, rim uh, hits and all like that. So that's the drums you're going to hear. And then uh, the bass guitar, I have a, a, it's a copy of a Hoffner uh, made by a company called Ventura. I've had it for years, too, so I'll play a combination of that and just keyboard bass on my keyboard, which is the Triton L.E., so I go between, you know, sometimes you can, you know, do something on the keyboard that's great. So I'll do that. If it needs something, a slide or something that the bass guitar, I'm going to say, oh, well, I'll use the bass guitar there for that certain slide. But there are some songs that are completely a live bass. Wow. So it all depends on, on what you need. And then, of course, I'll play any strings or whatever on the mm. on the keyboard that I need. And Amazing. If it, if it sounds great, then I use it. If I was going to put some horns in one place. There is a little bit of horn you'll hear, but I put some a great trumpet line in there. But I said, you know what? It just doesn't sound it. If I want to use a trumpet player, that's the only way I'll put that line back in. But that, that's how it goes. So I'll, I'll just play them, and then I can do it. As you know, I might start with the... I could stop with the drums first. Sometimes I'll sing something. I'll say, now, what key am I even singing that in? And I'll try to find the piano. I go, oh, that's what I'm doing. And I'll play that, and then I'll say play a little bit, I'll go to the drums, and I'll see a play on top of that, and I'll say, oh, okay, great. Or I'll start with the drums with a rhythm idea and just sing out loud and just record the voice just in the background so I have an idea of what I was doing, and then go back and put something on a guitar, just find out what clicks, what clicks, okay, and just keep moving around. So So you told me in your emails that you and I exchanged in the lead-up to today, and I don't have it in front of me, so you have to remind me of the name, but you referenced a studio where you record, but I'm thinking that what you're saying is that it's your studio, yes? That's my studio, right. Yeah, so Music Room is actually my federal trademark. I started, uh, uh, we've had for many, many years, and so it's, yeah, anything that says Music Room, if it says say it, 
it's a, I had federal trademark for everything to do with audio and uh, and film. And so is that studio just for Johnny Reed music, or is that a commercial or a project studio? Do you take other work? Um, not not taking the end of work now, but I've done a lot of work. Okay. A lot of work. I used to work with some artists and things like that, but... Yeah, we'll be getting into all the different hats that you've worn, but folks listening to Johnny talk about all these different instruments that he plays, it conjures up memories of way back when, now that we've passed the nine-year anniversary of the show. It was November of 2016 on episode 72 when the guest was Nelson Montana, who talked about he plays 11 different instruments. So Johnny's not maybe not at 11, but he's sure close. And as the calendar turned over to February, Johnny was celebrating the release of his new album. And one person, I don't know if I'm allowed to say their name, was celebrating having won the Focusrite Scarlet 2i2 USB audio interface. All throughout January, I had been talking about that giveaway. What a great, great piece of gear that is. I can tell you from first-hand experience that you absolutely will get pro audio quality from whichever model in the Scarlet range you choose. There are six different interfaces with input and output configurations for any recording need. There are two studio bundles that include microphone and headphones. And the Scarlet, by the way, includes an amazing bundle of software valued at over $1,000 to help produce tracks from a demo through mastering. Whatever you're doing as a creator, music, podcasting, live streaming, you want to deliver top quality audio to your audience. Check out the Scarlet range from Focusrite by going to my podcast website, nhte.net, and use their ad that says, Tell the World. If you're on desktop, you'll see that in the right-hand column, or if you're viewing nhte.net on mobile, scroll way down past the social media logos, and whichever way you get to it, tap or click on that ad to go over to Focusrite's website to see which Scarlet is best for your needs. Johnny, I'm going to be asking you a question in a few minutes, and in your answer, I think you're going to be making a reference to the Beatles. So before I ask that one, let's start first with two different questions about Mal Evans, who was the Beatles' road manager. The first question is, how did you ever get introduced to him, and what has he meant to your career? What has he done for your career? Okay, yep, yep. I met Mal, and uh, he was a friend of mine, uh, became a friend of mine. But I met him, I live out here in California, like I said, south of Redondo Beach, we're south of L.A., and if you go west from L.A., or excuse me, from L.A., yeah, that's Santa Monica. And in Santa Monica, there's an, a British pub called the King's Head, very famous, been there for many years, and everybody that comes from England eventually goes there. Mm. And uh, so I used to have a good friend who was from Blackpool, and you know we, that's how I first started going there. And uh, different celebrities would go there, hmm. and and people in their groups. So, for example, Rod Stewart has a soccer team out of Malibu, and they would play around. They come to the back for the pub to have some ale, and huh. you know whoop it up a little bit. And when Supertramp came to town, they also the same thing. Their roadies were there, maybe a member of the group or so, and so it was a live wire, live place to go. So anyway, my friend from Blackpool. His wife is actually a travel agent, too, for some of these stars and groups. And uh, he, he, he was helping me with my music, my friend. His name was Lenny Walsh. And he said, come on, John, I've got somebody for you to meet. And that was Mal Evans. And that was, uh, you know, like, wow, this is the guy. And at that time, I don't know who he was exactly. But he said, yeah, he was the roadie with the Beatles. And, oh, great. That was good. So I met him, and he was a, a great guy mild, you know, mild-mannered guy, mm -hmm. nice, and he was uh, producing a group at that time. It was Natural, something, I remember that name, it was Natural, and he was telling me about the guitars and things like that, so he was sharing things with me, and mm -hmm. and then eventually got to showing him uh, some tapes of mine on, on another visit, so it was a few occasions, we met at the King's Head, and mm. then we went to his apartment uh, once, and at least once. And we went to the beach. We all went to the beach and hung out on the beach. So it was great. You know, so I really got to know the guy a little bit. And then I had my tape, and I forget which song it was. I had several songs I was doing. And, and he said, 
you know, you sound like Paul. You remind me of Paul. You wow. know, oh, great. That's a good thing to hear. Yeah. So I really, uh, that was really inspiring, you know, and he just he said, just, just keep going, keep going, you know, and so it was inspirational to keep my career just like going, and I actually met somebody that knew Paul and said my stuff sounded something to do with Paul, and uh, it's just the way my songs were. So that was just great like that, and uh, we met, uh, you know, some other times, like I said, going to the beach and, you know, that encouragement, and I found out later that that group was called Natural Gas, and I, I don't know what they ever did, but... <laughs> But that, that's who he was producing at that time. Is it a little too strong if I say that you considered Mal Evans to be a trusted advisor for your music career? That's kind of the expression that's coming to my head. Is that maybe a little bit too much? Um, yeah, yeah. He really didn't advise me too much. He didn't, And I didn't want to really uh, lay into him like, hey, man, can you discover me? Uh, can you, you know, yeah. help my career go? I didn't do any of that. It was more... On a friend basis, you know, okay, that sounds great. You sound like Paul. Okay, great. And I didn't get into the Beatles thing, which I kind of knew that they were going forward and he was not, you know, really with them. Mm -hmm. And that sort of deal. Hmm. Interesting. But yeah, yeah, just, 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 just encouragement, you know, knowing somebody and he wasn't, uh, you know, uh, an ass or something like that. He wasn't uh, all caught up in himself. He was just a... A giving guy. Well, and holding the position that he held, this was somebody whose opinion you're going to value. It's not just some random person walking down the street that, you know, it'd be nice if some stranger says, wow, you kind of make me think of Paul McCartney. But when it comes from someone who's the Beatles road manager, you go, okay, this, right. is, this is pretty significant. Right. An audience, by <laughs> yeah, the way, yeah. I mentioned Nelson Montana. You just heard Johnny mention Supertramp. And if you didn't hear it, Last summer, I went to the NAM show in Anaheim, and I was supposed to interview Carl Verheyen, the guitar player for Supertramp there, and we weren't able to pull it off at the show, and Carl was kind enough to have me out to his house. And so I did interview Carl. That was episode 442. If you never heard it, I'll put a link to that and to the Nelson Montana interview on the show page for Johnny's episode on nhte.net, so you can go back and listen. Very popular interview, the one that I did with Carl Verheyen. Johnny, the second question about Mal is this. There is a book coming out about him in a few months, and you will be a part of that. Share with the audience what I'm referring to. Okay, yeah, there's a, a, a book coming out. It's called, uh, let's see, Living the Beatles Legend, Untold Story of Mal Evans. Yeah, and this is a book that's going to be all about Mal and that he's watched some of those get back sessions on uh, Disney plus or wherever they're available, which I just recently did. I didn't know Mal was <laughs> as involved in everything as he was, but he sure was. And these are two guys that really, um, two authors, uh, P Peter Hicks and Kenneth Womack. Peter was in, interested in him as a, you know, not as a biographer, but just as a, what was this mysterious person, Mal Evans. He seems to be in the middle of everything. And then Kenneth Womack is a biographer, and apparently he had been uh, approached by the Evans estate that they had all these diaries and things, notes and pictures. and So the two of them got together, and uh, they're having a book. And then they must have uh, picked up on my knowing now through my biography or a press release. And they contacted me and they said they want to they want to chat with me, interview me. The book's due out in June, so that's so cool. And I'm sure it'll be great. That's so cool. So, all you Beatles fans, when you read that book, keep an eye open for mention of Johnny Reed. Okay, so now that we've established all the Johnny and Mal stuff, audience, watch how this all fits together. Johnny, we talked earlier about your new album, Octa or Infinity. Share with us about how you write and record your songs. Well, you know, every song comes about differently, but I build the songs, you know, from, it, it could be just a, I, I carry my phone around, that's, that's the first thing I do, my little iPhone, and uh, I'm on the beach walking and I'll say something and I'll go, okay, I'll, I'll sing it, maybe I have a melody, maybe I just have a rhythm and I pound it out in the car into the microphone and hum along with it. So it comes that way, or I scribble a few words down. And um, that is 
the way, the formula that the Beatles did many of their songs. They would come in with just a small musical piece or a phrase and actually build it right there. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I listened to a, a, a CD, uh, seven CDs from Jeff Emmerich. He was their engineer. He came in as a, a teen. George Martin brought him in. But they have a biography, uh, I, I guess it was maybe autobiography, that he gave all this information, and then they had a British person read it in the audiobook. But he said he was amazed, like in the revolver, that they would come in with just something, <laughs> and before his eyes, we go, we have another great song. We mm. have another great song. What's up for tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it was so cool, and I go, oh, yeah, that's great. So, but I've always been that way, you know, from the early days. Okay, and you read my I, mind because I was going to ask you, is the method that you're describing exclusive to Octa or Infinity or all eight albums? Has that been your yes, approach? All, it yeah, all like eight. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And by the way, my first, uh, what inspired to do my recordings myself was uh, Paul McCartney. Back in the early days, um, that he had the album with the cherries on this. I go, oh, what's this? He's playing all the instruments? What's going on here? It's like, oh, that sounds cool, and that's the reason I do it. Okay, so is that exclusive to Octa or Infinity, or or all eight albums you've done everything yourself? Yeah, all eight albums I've done everything. Wow, myself. wow. So how do you handle it then? You've been in music for so long. I know you've encountered lots and lots of people who have said we should write together or we should collab on a song, or you know, I'm really doing great with my engineering work. You know, let me take a shot at, at your next project. How do you handle those people that are well-intentioned, but, you know, you obviously have a, a formula, and if it ain't broke, don't fix it? All right, yeah. And over the years, I've, uh, you know, written lots of songs before any of these albums ever came about, and I would hire someone in, a guitar player. And so now I've spent the time putting my song together. I said, okay, now come in, Mr. Amazing Guitar Player, and do something. And he'll do whatever he does. Oh, you go, oh, that's great. Then he leaves, and that was an hour later. And you go, gee, I wonder if it could have went anyplace else. It kind of sounds like another song. Or, uh-huh. and, right. And I've had people, same thing, sing my songs, paid singers to come in, sing my songs. They're a better singer than me, maybe. Girls, guys, both. And then later it's like, oh, okay. And then I played some of those songs for other people, and they go, Hey, I think I like your version better. Mm. It was like, uh, and I, you know, so that round and round it goes. Interesting. I've hired in saxophone players to come in, and they play the normal saxophone thing. There's a normal thing that that does, and you go, wow, that's great. But you know, I did that a few times, and I go, okay, well, I don't play the saxophone, so I'm not going to outdo them. <laughs> but that's it. So, and I get so much enjoyment out of doing these things myself. Uh, so it's not a saving money deal, but I love to just play something, play whatever that lead guitar kind of thing or filler guitars are, work all night long on it till 2.33 in the morning, and the next day if I go, ah, oh, that didn't add anything to it. It took away. So, fine, use that track. I'll never use that again or erase it. Yeah, and you don't have to worry about hurting someone's feelings or having, quote-unquote, wasted their time, even though you paid them. You didn't have to worry about, mm-hmm. gee, I paid them that money, and it probably would have been better off just not even bringing them in in the first place. Yeah. So those are great insights. But now that we've heard about you, how you write and record your songs, can you give us some insight as to how you pick the topics to write songs about? Okay, yeah, and my uh, the topics I do for my songs are many times not any kind of a normal topic. You know, in, in country music, you write things about uh, trucks and girls and whiskey and, you know, in pop music, you know, just different types of things. But I've written songs about the Native Americans and their plight and w- what happened and, you know, what's, what should we think about and what did they, what knowledge did they have that, that uh, you know, we should have had, that all things are connected. And by the way, all my songs are not straightforward. You may not know what they're about, ah. too. So, um, and I, I do some interesting things. The veterans. I've written songs for the veterans. 
about um, you know all the people that gave their lives and the empty chair is symbolic of that. So I've got a song called The Empty Chair. I've been asked to sing that at different Memorial Day services here in California. Mm. So just whatever subject hits me, I, I, I feel what it's like. And I, I, I draw from, if it's about a girl, which are some girls in, uh, in this, uh, you know, love type songs, it's not just one girl. This one song may encompass three different relationships. Ah, uh, okay. You know? So and that, and that goes through all my songs. It doesn't doesn't have to be true that exactly it's uh you know i just leave it to uh the creative thing it just comes to me i don't pre-plan it it's just how it comes yeah yeah as evidenced and, uh, by like you said the very little bit that you come into the studio with a la the beatles right mm-hmm. johnny i mentioned there about the nam show and having been there last year and folks if any of you will be there i will be there in april johnny will you be at the nam show i wonder uh, you know, I, I went for a couple years, but that's been years ago. I um, haven't been there. But who knows? If you're out here, I might have to go. Well, I'm surprised to hear that you aren't going to be there just because you play so many instruments that you sound to me like someone who would just be uh, natural to be at an event like that. So maybe you'll find your way in there and, and we'll get to meet in person. Mm-hmm. And audience, if you are going to be at the NAM show, by all means, please get in touch with me ahead of time, podcast at nhte.net or through social media and let me know. I'm always happy to meet people face-to-face who are listeners of the show. I'm joined today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from south of Los Angeles by singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist Johnny Reed. Visit his official website at johnnyreed.com. I will put a link to his website on the show page for this episode on my podcast website, nhte.net. His new album, Octa or Infinity, I love that description of how you came up with that. It's so cool. His new album, Octa or Infinity, that you've been hearing him talk about was just released on January 31st. I was looking at it this morning on iTunes, but give Johnny a follow on Spotify and stream the new release on there and or look for the album on Amazon Music. Near the bottom of johnnyreed.com, there are logos for lots of social media platforms so that you can link over to Johnny's Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and even both LinkedIn and Pinterest. You've heard me talking for probably, what, maybe the last four episodes now about the OWL app, and I have gone out of my way to say that this is not a sponsor. It's just something that I'm just digging so much that I want you all to try it too. In fact, a few nights ago, the founder of the app called me on there because he was demoing the OWL app to three influencers who were getting on it. Keep in mind as I'm saying this that it's O-W-W-L-L. I also had a lunch meeting with one of my clients the other day and I was encouraging her to get on there and then later I followed up with an email to her with the link to download the app for free. Plus I was giving her the invitation code because as you're getting it set up on your phone, that's a required field that you have to complete, invitation code. Actual voice calls with people that you'll want to connect with across a variety of industries. I wrote an article about this for my website to not only let people know that they can call me through that, but to give you the link to go download it and that invitation code that you will need slash want. Here's how to get at that article and the information you need to get started with this. Either go to my podcast website, nhte.net, and tap or click anywhere you see that it says home, or simply head straight to nowhearthis.net, which of course is H-E-A-R. Whichever way you get there, simply then look at the article whose headline is Help Now a Phone um, App Call Away. That will give you not only the link for the OWL app in the App Store or for Google Play, but the invitation code in there that you will need and want. Johnny, when an artist puts out a concept album, it's by choice. I don't think it's an accident. If you ask an artist about their latest album project, they're either going to tell you that it's a concept album or they're just going to say, it's a bunch of songs I've been writing, some breakup songs, some party songs, some relationship songs, some tracks that, I don't know, I just got to show my creativity on. So take us through putting together a concept album because I'm thinking that maybe you come up with a concept first and then you try to write songs to that concept, or do I have it totally backwards? Well, for example, uh, the, the theme, the Octo or Infinity, 
you'll hear the phrase, uh, it's all in how you look at things. And I said, that's, you know, that was the eight and turning eight on the side, infinity, and yeah. how do you look at things? And so you'll see, hear that phrase in other songs throughout the thing. Um, the, the very last song, The End of the Beginning, is an interesting song, totally different than all the rest, but that phrase is in there again. And it's about kind of hmm, a little bit of aging, getting near the end of life. Some people, I've even had people tell me how many days they think they have left. I have 3,000, 5,000 <laughs> number of days left. It's like, oh my gosh, please don't, don't do the countdown. <laughs> and you actually hear me say the word, that countdown in that song. Oh. It's not a countdown. It's never too late to do something big. So don't, um, so what I say, it's all in how you look at things. Just don't look at this countdown thing, but just look at, you know, great things you can do with the time and your experience in this. And But see, I feel like as you're describing all these songs that you must have thought of that concept first. I want all the songs on this album to fit under this theme. And then you tried to write songs to that theme, to that concept. Am I right or not really? Uh, yeah, not not exactly. It's not a, that much in depth. It's just as it comes. I just have that general feeling. Okay. That general feeling, and I've done this on other albums too. The same, same kind of thing. The Fortress of One album was about standing alone when nobody's there to support you. What are you gonna do? Mm. You know, and, and take that on. That way, the Alternate Re- Reality Seven. That was the last album. Again, that was uh, searching for that alternate thing in your life that you might need. All these songs kind of touched on that. See, let me jump in here because you're doing such an excellent job, Johnny, of what we all know as the elevator pitch, right? And artists, Mm -hmm. writers, those of you out there that are doing recording projects, how many times have people asked you, so what's your new album like? What's it about? Is there like a theme to your album? And it just takes you forever to describe what your recording project is. And listen how succinctly Johnny just told us about three albums in a matter of no time. He gave us the title and said, this is the theme that runs through it. Gave us the next title. This is the concept for that one. Gave us the next title. And so learn from him because he's doing a great job. If you're so all over the place and you're trying to make an impression on someone in the music industry, they're going to listen to you stammer and sound unsure. And they're going to think, if you don't even know what your own album is about, then how are you going to expect the listeners to know it? So, Johnny, hats off to you. You're you're doing wonderfully with this. I want to shift gears here a little bit, though, to the film world. You worked in the independent film world from 2006 to 2012, including serving as the technical director for the Monaco Charity Film Festival for three consecutive years in Monte Carlo, which, by the way, is crazy because you were doing that a year after I had just been to Monte Carlo. Not for that event, of course, but Mm -hmm. I think I was there in both 2007 and 2009 in Monte Carlo, and then I know you did that film festival in 2010, 2011, 2012. But anyhow, I want to break these into two separate questions. King Kong? Come on. (laughs) What was your involvement with that movie? Well, uh, King Kong, um, yeah, I had quite a history, which I don't know if I told you all about the toy industry, but uh, I was in the independent film industry for several years. We were distributing films, signing films, developing them, working with the writers, and we actually did a a film in the Ukraine. When I left that business, I said, you know what, this this Hollywood business uh, was not to my best liking. I came back to my studio. At that time, the studio owners from GMT Studios up in Culver City, they they came down and said, hey, can you do a voiceover for our film? So we recorded a voiceover for them. And he says, by the way, my buddy here wants to know, can you do something in the, he's in the toy industry. Can you help him? He's recorded something from, uh, what's his name? A Stone Cold Steve Austin (laughs) with a WWW at that time. And he said, I said, what? He said, well, he's saying something, but we didn't like exactly how he said it or what he said. Hmm. Is there any way you can change that? And I said, of course I can. And I did that for them. He took that, pitched it to Jack Specific in Malibu. And this is, kind of, this is how I got in the, sto- the toy business. 
and they ended up signing a contract with the World Wrestling Federation, and I did tons of toys for them, recording voices, writing scripts. Wow. And I was in the toy business for several years, and then I ended up doing business with Mattel mm. and all the Hasbro, all the majors. So I did hundreds of toys and audio voiceovers. I'm in some of them for producing those things. Okay, then I got out of that for a while. I said, you know, that was great. I did, that's great. I'm do, going back to something else now. Then I got, I said, well, let me try one more time. I went back to one of them called Playmates Toys, and they said, okay. You know, I did projects, and they go, we got something called uh, King Kong coming up. They're going to do a new movie. Would you be interested in blue-skying some things for us? I said, okay. So I met with them. They came down to my studio, and they didn't know what they wanted, but they just talked about things. And so I came up with several concepts of things that would happen with King Kong and voices and things like that. Ended up doing the whole thing, everything, the dinosaurs, all this is on my voice. Wow. wow. And the King Kong went to the New York Toy Show the, they, where they presented to the Targets and the Kmarts and Walmarts, everybody that's going to do any kind of merchandising. And they said, we love it. And then Universal Pictures said, okay, great. Well, Peter Jackson's still making the movie, so we have to use his sounds, or, but there's no sounds made for the movie yet. And uh, they said, well, let's just go with Johnny's stuff. Wow. But Peter has to approve it. Yeah. We cannot just do anything. Yeah. So uh, everybody's very nervous about that. So, but they, I sent a copies of it then to Peter and we did some email exchanges back and forth. He said, okay, make this a little more alpha on the, uh, the V-Rex, you know, for example, and then the like King Kong, yeah, a little more alpha on that. And so I did my magic, went back in and multi-tracked more things together, mm. produced the sounds. And Peter Jackson said, yep, that's going to, uh, that's going to be the one, uh, to represent the movie because the movie soundtrack wasn't even done, wow. but they have to get all this stuff going. So that was a real honor again yeah. to, wow. to get that going. So, so that's, cool. That's how, that's so how cool. And folks, for some reason, as Johnny's talking about the work that he did with Mattel and toys, it's making me think of two things. Number one is that recurring theme that I always state so, so frequently on this podcast which is that no one's doing just one thing these days. And I'm going to say the music industry, but really the entertainment business. You hear guest after guest after guest on the show talk about, well, this is what everybody knows me as, but I also do this and I also do this. And I'm segueing that into way back on episode 384, the guest was Steve We Met. And Steve talked on that episode about the fact that he ended up doing so much work with video games he had nine songs on Guitar Hero 3. And you never think about these jobs, these opportunities that are out there in the entertainment business. Yes, of course, everybody wants to be the recording artist first and foremost and have their music out front. But when you can do music for a video game, when you can get opportunities like Johnny's talking about with toys, and now you're hearing about with King Kong. And then similarly, Johnny, in the intro, I also mentioned the blockbuster smash Titanic. So, same question. What work did you do on that? Okay, and uh, on that one, it was really as a technical guy. I was brought in as a consultant with another friend of mine. Uh, they were trying to, when they were putting the Titanic together, uh, Steven Spielberg, first of all, he had had a remote film capability, I think, when he did Schindler's List. And um, we got my friend that I did this with, he had a relationship with. James Cameron. So James Cameron, we had a meeting with him, and he says, I want to do this remote film editing thing. And it was brand new. How could you do something like that? So we went into researching all the technology and doing that. And I have another whole life all before all of this. I was in telecommunications and uh, uh, computers and things like this, or uh, fixing computers, or designing things, telecommunication networks. So I knew all about that end of it, so mm. I put that all in. So I was a consultant to James. Wow. So we would meet at his office at Lightstorm out in, uh, I guess, Santa Monica. And then we went to his home out in Malibu to see what he wanted to have there and what kind of screens we would put in those days. And 
And then there's a site down in Mexico. I had to go down to Mexico. It's Poplar Beach. And they built a set for the Titanic down there. They built that set right near the beach so you could build this three-quarter part of the ship there. And when you shot over to see the people, you actually saw the ocean in the background. Mm, So cool. It was the whole design of that thing. You had to go down there and work with them. And we hooked up uh, James Cameron's house in Malibu then down to the Mexico with Uh, the T1 lines. Okay. T1 lines. And then out to Stan Winston, which was the animatronics genius at the time. I think Stan has passed now. But to there, and then uh, James is a partner in Digital Domain in Santa Monica, so we had to hook that facility up, and then his production company, Lightstorm Entertainment in Santa Monica. Wow, wow. Great story, so great whole, story. Great, yeah, hanging out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, talking about your computer background, it's making me think, and we are turning the corner here, by the way, it's dawning on me that we never even talked about your music background, meaning... Have you spent your whole career where you are, or did you come from someplace else in the U.S. because you saw the bright lights of Hollywood in Los Angeles and you wanted to be in a major music market? Uh, nope. Native Californian, right here, uh, just next to Redondo Beaches, Torrance. That's where I started. And the uh, drums, that was my first instrument. I got a, a snare drum that my dad played when he was young, like that, and... Uh, and I got a set of drums, and then another set of drums, and another set of drums. And <laughs> I was drumming for several different uh, different bands. We were not one band played around. And this, by the way, this is starting in the eighth grade when I started playing around. Mm. And then uh, <clears throat> kind of went kind of underground to groups that were just trying to get record contracts, playing only our own things and improvising. Mm-hmm. And in that process, that's where I picked up the piano and the Ah. The guitars. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. Very early on. So, so I've always played, but I was just kind of made my stuff up, improvised. I remember that first time, back back was in the eighth grade, everybody was older than me. They, all the other guys were in high school. I was in the eighth grade. The singer was in college. So I was a little kid playing drums. I must have been good enough, I guess. <laughs> but one of the guys said, hey, come over to my keyboard. And I go, yeah, what's this? And he goes, yes. Yeah, Put those three fingers down there. Yes, spread my fingers apart. Okay. Now just move one finger down. I go, okay. Oh, I see. I was very naive. <clears throat> but I said, no, that's a minor. That went from a major to a minor. Oh, I know that feel. Oh, yeah. And if I move this one up, okay, I got it. And that's how I taught myself the piano. Yeah, I was just going to ask you, all these different instruments that you're talking about, everything is self-taught. It's never, no, I took guitar lessons for six years at one point, or, oh, I took keyboard piano for 10 years. Everything is self-taught? Yep. Wow, wow, amazing. Years after that, I even wrote some, uh, you know, kind of classical kind of things, uh, sounding things, you know, with on the piano. And then later, I went to the junior college, and I took the classes of, of this. I said, oh, that's what I've been doing. You know, I said, these are my songs. These are my songs. I see. You start here, you go to the five, and you go back to the one. Oh, I see. Well, that's what I'm doing. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Wow. Audience, you know I always start squirming in my seat when I have a guest on that has a brand new release like Johnny does with his 10-song album. And then I go and ask what's next while, in this case, I've got a guy on the line whose latest project isn't even a month old. But, Johnny, I'm going to ask anyway, what's in the future for you? Well, you know, it's got to be album number nine. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, I'm going to start working on a song. I, I, it's so exciting and fun to be working on songs. You go, what's the next song? What's the next song? And so I haven't got the next one yet. But And, you know, nine's going to be probably in the title. If I, I've been doing that lately now. <laughs> so who knows? Who knows where it's going to go? I do not know. But that, I'm going to do that. Uh, in the interim, I'm going to try to get into some of this YouTube uh, maybe some short videos or some songs, just playing myself in the studio. I could do something more elaborate, but I think something like that. It sounds like it's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm also going to be doing some of those uh, music specials. These are something special. I actually kind of invented it myself. As many things I do, I just do them. It's kind of fun. But I put together a whole show of my songs where you get the album, but then I make intros for each song. I make short and long ones, and opening and the show closing, and I customize it for stations everywhere. 
And that's why I've done shows in the UK, several there, Canada, Mexico. You're talking about radio shows. Yep, yep, yep. So it'll be an hour-long show, like Mm -hmm. your interview here. Mm -hmm. But I've pre-recorded several parts of it, and that disc jockey can put them together however he wants to. I see. I see. And what about so what about live streaming? Are you on Twitch or anything like that where maybe people can see you on there? You know, I just just opened up the Twitch account, so I've got that. Of course, I've already got the YouTube and that sort of thing. But the video thing, that's something I, you know, I came from the film industry too, so I have all the film editing experience. So. Uh. But I might just want to do something you know, happening now, you know, live streaming of something. So Yeah, well, I think people would be fascinated to get a live look inside your studio and, you know, maybe one live stream you're talking about the drums and another live stream you're talking about piano and another one you're talking about songwriting and another one you're talking about guitar and another one you're talking about music production. There's so much that I think people would be interested in, in getting on Twitch to watch you talk about. You have no shortage of, of material to, to share with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. There's many good programs out there on different subjects like that. So it's just a matter of time. You know, you have to pick your pick your shots, and again, do that. Like we said, do what you love. And uh, you know, if if I was when if I'm totally excited to do it, I'm going to do it. Yeah, good for you. Good for you. We're going to close today with another one of Johnny's original songs. This one too, of course, is from the new album. It's a track called Rainbows on Mars. Johnny, before I let you go and I play that song, share with the audience all about this song, if you would, please. Okay, sure. Yeah, I believe this is song number eight on the album. It is Rainbows on Mars. And uh, that title first just came to me some way. Hmm. Uh, And I jotted it down and I said, I think I I said it to my son. I have a son. And I said, yeah, I don't know if there are rainbows on Mars. Hmm. And it became... Uh, the song started to evolve. And so the song is really about uh, space exploration. And if we think about going to Mars as Elon's going to take us there, <laughs> think this is great, fantastic, wonderful. Will this solve all of our problems? Or will we bring all of humanity's baggage along with us and mm. say, we're fighting for the land. We're, we're going we're gonna to sabotage your probe so we can take over. Mm. Is all that going to happen? Or So... Is it all going to be rainbows on Mars, or I don't know? And I'll be hopeful and say, I hope so. But you know... But that's what the song's about. I think that's consistent with the Octa or Infinity theme, the Octa or Infinity concept, because it's do what you love, it's explore new opportunities, and when you talk about space travel or what is on Mars, what's not on Mars, and discovering that whole planet... I think that fits nicely under the theme, under the concept of Octa or Infinity. Yeah, that, that's that's great. Thanks. And uh, yeah, so just everything. Well, you listen to the song, you'll you'll see. Hopefully, you get something good out of it. I enjoyed it, and a lot of people do like it. Well, Johnny, great to have you on the show. Congratulations on the new album, and I appreciate you making time to be on now here this entertainment. Oh, thanks. It's been a pleasure, Bruce. And now we've got to stay in touch with you and all your good programs you have now, too. Thank you. Listen up on you, and maybe I can catch you out at NAM. Yes, sir. Let's hope so. And, folks, with that, I will wrap up another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist Johnny Reed. Do visit his official website at johnnyreed.com. Again, I will have a link to his website from the show page for this episode on my podcast website, nhte.net. His new album is called Octa or Infinity, and you will see it very prominently when you land on the homepage of his website. As much as I said earlier that I was looking this morning at iTunes, at Octa or Infinity on there, Give Johnny a follow on Spotify and stream it there and or look for Octa or Infinity by Johnny Reed on Amazon Music. Very cool, by the way, that Spotify and Amazon Music are two platforms where you can also hear my podcast. Near the bottom of johnnyreed.com, there are logos for lots of social media platforms so that you can link over to Johnny's Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and even both LinkedIn and Pinterest. 
I liked his Facebook page. I followed him on Twitter. I followed him on Instagram. I know that he would appreciate you doing the same. Engage with Johnny and let him know that you heard him and his music on Now Hear This Entertainment. If you like this podcast, this episode, others before, every episode, feel free to let me know as much by way of a, here you go, thanks for what you do, Bruce, by going to my podcast website, nhte.net, and then utilizing the yellow logo there that says, buy me a coffee. It's not a sponsor. It's not affiliated with a chain or a brand. It's simply a way for you to send me a virtual toast, you know, two coffee mugs bumping together. Anyhow, check that out, put a note on there with it, and know that I am grateful for your support of this podcast. That's going to do it for episode 471. Thanks ever so much for listening. I'll send you out today with another song from Johnny Reed. This is the one he just talked about. It's called Rainbows on Mars. Traveling through outer space Will there be peace in the stars? Will we find rainbows on Mars? As we journey into deeper space Will we be together like one human race? Or will we fight for the land like we always do? From the dawn of man Are we ready to see who we are? Will we find happiness on Mars? What if we find There's nothing there? Will you accept it? Or will you be scared? And if you find God, what will you say?